release too much of that, I might not be able to stand up here. <laughs> yeah, Byron, wrote, he wrote me into this with a guilt trip on Tuesday. <laughs> I, was, I was with, I was staying with Emma and Madeline, our granddaughters, so he came over and had dinner with us, and he said, aren't you, pre- so you're preaching Sunday, right? I said, no. And <laughs> he dropped his head like this on me and I just convinced him I was not going to preach you know but come Thursday I just um felt like I was and so I texted Emma Madeline and I said I'm preaching preaching he's anyway um thanks for being such great listeners and worshipers and it was good today the worship was so good wasn't it wow just felt like we just got in there so good I mean this Bible. Well, I'll tell you what, the subject I want to talk about today is probably, um, it's really near and dear to my heart. Um, and I've actually not preached on this. I was looking back through my notes since 2008. Is that crazy? Um, and I've been wanting to do this for a while, uh, to preach on worship because I just, you know, years go by and, um, we kind of just do what we do and, Sometimes we don't, you know, really know why we're doing what we're doing, and we just do it. And um, so I just wanted to talk about it some. Just, um, I want to really just talk a little bit mainly about congregational worship. Um, one time I was going to go lead worship somewhere, and they needed my little bio. And um, I realized that really when, it, when I was writing that, that one of the main things I actually do feel called to is leading worship um, in a congregation. I just feel that. I don't, it's just been with me for years. And um, I'll tell you a little bit of my testimony about that um, on down. But I was reading the scripture, this, I just been going through a lot of scriptures and uh, pulling out things I want to say to you that are actually things inside of me. That's really all I want to do today. It's just to tell you what's in me about worship when we gather. And I'm already emotional. It's terrible. (laughs) I was thinking about my mother. You know, I was raised Baptist, but somehow my my parents were really spiritual. When the charismatic movement came, they kind of jumped in. And I was thinking about her this morning when we were worshiping. You know, she was losing her mind, you know, at the end of her, she was dementia, whatever you want to call it, but her spirit was still so strong. I mean, it was like, you know, the worship was just in there. And I just was remembering a couple of things with her. Um, We were in the, in Rockingham where I'm from, I was at my sister and I had her out. We were going through a drive-thru at Captain D's and, uh, and Josh Baldwin had just put out his song. Um, it was a new album, and it was, Open up the heavens, open wide. I want to see the love you hold inside. He talks about it. He goes in there and starts singing, When we praise, when we praise, you come down. You know, when we pray, open up the heavens. And when, and I was, I went, I was, letting my sister hear this song because we're always sharing worship songs with each other and 
I started playing it in the line of Captain D's, and here's my mother saying, the song's powerful, if you've ever listened, it just has got so much weight on it. And in that line, here I play in this song, and my mother, it doesn't take her two seconds, she's gone straight up into the presence. It's just wonderful, you know, we can't even get the order out of her, because she's just worshiping, and it's, I just love that. I mean, it's such a heritage that I feel like I have with my parents. We were gospel singers, and they, you know, and I was thinking of another thing about my dad. They worshiped when they did the gospel songs. It was just in them. The music, the songs were just in them. And my dad would get to moving around on the stage, and I was a little girl singing up there with him. And he'd get to moving, and he would hide me, and I'd have to run to the other side. And sometimes when I'm up here looking, I go back and look at the videos, I go, that's Ralph Davis up there. <laughs> Because I just like to move when I worship. and um, But just, just to give, share a little bit of that. But I was looking at this scripture, John uh, 4, 23 and 24, in the New Testament about worship. And um, it says this, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. And God is a spirit, and those who worship, worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And, of course, he's replying to the woman um, at the well who she's had this revelation. He's revealed to her that he's the Messiah. And the first thing that she comes up is, well, you know, we worship on this mountain, but we're told we can only worship in Jerusalem you know, there's, it's about where to worship. And I think the thing that is being pulled out here is not where, but who. And that's really the main thing about worship is when we're worshiping, our eyes and focus, of course, is on who. And I, the thing that caught me um, as I was reading through this is I think it says, it says the time is now. It's even now. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And it really makes me know that Jesus was already saying that we're going to come into this place of really knowing the Father. And that's so huge to being a worshiper is knowing that we have a daddy in heaven, that we're his kids, and that spirit of adoption working, working on us. And I love that spirit and truth because that one version says, in reality. You know, it's really for us, I think the more we come into reality of the Father, of the Father, and that we're his children, it really causes you to worship. And I think that's really what Jesus was talking about. I'm getting ready to reveal the Father. I'm getting ready to show the world who the Father is. And because of that, we're going to worship. There's going to be a worship on this earth like never before. And we're going to worship in not only tr with truth, but reality of who God really is. Because Jesus said, really, I came to reveal the Father. And we are so about that here at River Life. It's about... Really not only about getting our sins forgiven, but really bringing 
us into the home and heart of the Father to know that really Jesus paid a big price so that we could know that we have the Holy Ghost, the spirit of adoption working in us and through us. And that's our connection really in worship. And it causes our hearts to worship like never before because we're settled in who we are, that I'm a child of God. I've been bought by the blood of Jesus. And it causes my heart to really, really want to worship him because I'm secure in him. And look what a great price our daddy has done to send his own precious son into this world so that we can have be in good right standing with him. We can be justified. We're in right standing with a God. It no longer is we're trying to please him, but we're settled. We're just settled. And we just say, is it not a good reason to worship him? Such a great reason to worship. Every time I stand in here, every time I'm just thinking about what he's done for me. I'm thinking about what a great price he's paid for me to be completely settled. I'm no longer worried about having to please my daddy. I'm already pleased because he's pleased because of the blood of Jesus and the blood of Jesus only. I don't worship him to... For him to be pleased with me. I'm worshiping because he's already pleased. Oh, what a good reason for that. Woo! (laughs) Such good news. We really have the best news ever to offer anybody. That it's a done, finished work and we just enter in. It's wonderful. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood. Well, you know, some of the reasons, I'm just going to go over this quick. Some of the, because I really want to get to really, the main thing I want to get to is river life worship. I just, I just want to share with you what's on our hearts of why we worship and what it is we're after. How about that? You know, worship, we're commanded to worship for anybody who doesn't want to worship. Well, I'm sorry. It is a command. <laughs> it's if you don't believe it, just load up on the Psalms. It's just about in every Psalms. I don't care how high David was, how low David was. He always ended up with, I'm going to praise you, Lord. How about that? So don't tell me that this is some still thing that we do as acts of worship. If we really believe the Bible is flooded with acts of worship. It's flooded with it. And in the, even in the New Testament, when they're singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs, they're going back to the Psalms. They're not going, oh, we're going to sing a few little hymns and psalms here and go out. That's not what they're doing. They are re- it's, the Psalms is the book of prayer. It was Jesus' book of prayer. It was the go-to It's our go-to for worship. So here's a big one. He inhabits our praise. And I want to to develop this in just a few minutes. He inhabits. The verse for that is, but you, this is Psalm 22.3. But you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. He's going to close that door because her sound's coming through, if you didn't know. 
be curious. I really meditated on this scripture this week. Um, that the Lord is holy. And get a load of this. He's enthroned on the praises of Israel. Now I'm going to say this to you. He's not just enthroned on my praises. My individual home time praises. He's enthroned on our praises. And there's something about when we come together. Okay, there's something about it. I don't all all the way know why there's something about it, but I know it's important. I know that he is enthroned. You know, I know his presence comes in and it's a resting place and there's encounters in that place. It, It brings us into unity. It, it really is a body of Christ. It brings us into unity when we worship together. It aligns us with the kingdom. You know, I think it's interesting the Lord's Prayer. Okay, your kingdom come, your will be done. Well, what does it start with worship? Our Father, our, our Father, who art in heaven. And so we're just, as we are our Father, and we're asking, Lord, for the kingdom to come. These are some of the things that are getting released as we worship in this atmosphere. But the thing the Lord really, um, I think, got me on this, as I shared on the video, if you saw it, it didn't get out until yesterday. Uh, the Lord, I think it was about a week ago, the Lord spoke to me this phrase, the key of David. And I know about the key of David. I've, I've meditated on that. I think there's a lot to it we don't know today. I want to talk about the key of David as worship. Uh, those scriptures are, um, I want to go back. I want to give you one more scripture about Psalm 22, 22 first before I move on to that. This is a good one. I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will praise you. If there's any question to anybody about praising the Lord in the assembly, there it is. And you can find this all through the Psalms, that it is not just about me shutting my room, being having time with Jesus. It's about us coming together. There's something that happens when we come together. He is enthroned upon the praises of his church. So I wanted to get that out. So this key of David, okay, I heard this in the night. This has been real prophetic for me and uh, it's Isaiah twenty two twenty two. It's the key of the house of David. I will lay on his shoulders so he shall open and no one will shut. And he shall shut and no one shall open. And you find it again in Revelation 3, 7 when Jesus is addressing the church at Philadelphia. And I think it's interesting about the church at Philadelphia. Um, many years ago, we were right in the midst of re- real hot revival meetings we had a person to come in this church that preached that we hold dear uh, David Harwood, and he turned to Byron. He says, and I'm feeling in this place, the church at Philadelphia. Isn't that something? I don't know if you remember that. And so it's always kind of been in my spirit, you know, that the Lord has identified us that way. Um, so, but I think it's interesting here about the key of David being in these verses where he says, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write 
These things say, he who is holy, he who is true, he has the key of David. He who opens, and the interesting about this opening is Seth was getting that about doors. He who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. Um, and he goes on to talk about that, that he was, you know, in those verses. So I want to say this about the key of David, that I believe one of the main components of the key of David was worship. If you think of David, what's your first thought? Worshiper. Yes, he just was a worshiper. He, he wrote his thoughts and his songs to the Lord. They sang them. He pitched a tent in his backyard. He pitched a tent in his backyard. And it was called the Tabernacle of David. It was three solid years, which represents the three years that Jesus was on this earth. Where he worshipped. Where there was worship going on in his... The Ark of the Covenant was there. 24-hour worship was going on in his backyard. And he was prophet, priest, and king. That's how he was identified. And I believe as worshipers, that's, that's, you know, we're, we're called kings and priests unto the Lord. That's what we're called. And so I believe as that key of David, we're called into all of that in worship. We really are. There's so much prophetic stuff that happens in worship. There really is. And we're coming before the Lord as priests and kings. Oh, it's good. We need to see ourselves that way. When we're coming and ministering before the Lord, this is about coming before him. That's what was going on in David's tabernacle is he was coming. He was coming. And I believe worship has everything to do with a key that locks things up and unlocks things. It's vital to what happens. And I believe it's vital in our congregation. Isn't every congregation that is worshiping? And I'm just kind of going after you a little bit about it. And I feel like I know for a lot of people I'm talking to the choir. And the choir, you're going to just love hearing it again because you're a worshiper anyway. You don't have to be told any of this. It's just in you. But really, we all are worshipers. Let me tell you, we're going to do this for eternity. We're going to worship for eternity. I was thinking this morning, you know, we were singing, Jesus, I love you. Did you know that William Booth had a vision? He saw the martyrs in heaven, and they were the ones next to Jesus. They just want everybody there just wants to be next to Jesus. That's all they want. It's just all they could just be with Jesus. And sometimes when I think about hearing about these martyrs, I think, oh, they're going to get to be next to Jesus. Oh, wow. Because we know how much we feel. Jesus, we love you. We're going to worship for eternity. So David pitched a tent. And I love this. Do you know it's called the tabernacle of David? Do you know... What tabernacle means? It means to dwell among us. God tabernacled with man. It's always been his desire to come and tabernacle and dwell among us. 
And so when we're in worship, that's one of the, because he inhabits, do you know what the word, he says he inhabits our praise. I love this. That means this, that he is to, let me find my note on that. Settle, marry, rest. That's it. You got it. You had it perfectly, honey. Good job (laughs) to look it up. Did you get that? To settle, to rest, to marry. He inhabits. That's what that means. And I believe that God is looking all over the earth. This, This is why we worship. Because he comes in this way. I believe he's looking for places to rest. Now, okay, I know he's in us already. I know all that. And people say, oh, but he's already in us. Well, you know, but there is a manifestation of the presence of God that comes. If you, you feel it, what's the difference between you just walking down the road chewing gum? And then you being in here and that cloud comes in. What's the difference? It's the manifestation of his presence. And we're in our hearts here at River Life is that he finds a place to rest. It has always been our desire that he finds a place to rest. One of our hardest heartaches is when we moved in revival for six, seven years. And then that thing began to live. We were just, whew, oh, Lord, I'm going to tell you. When you get under those clouds of glory like that, you don't. I mean, we were going home at one, two, three o'clock in the morning. Because his glory was resting in this place. And I'm going to tell you, when you get a taste of that, you'll never be the same again. And that gives us a reason to worship. Amen. Let me hear an amen. Oh. And this worship, this presence... I believe there's doors that we can open in the spirit realm with worship. I've thought this morning of a friend of mine is early in our ministry. Uh, one of our friends, uh, gosh, is way back. One of our friends, they had a young family, and at 12 years old, their son was diagnosed with leukemia. And Byron and I were right there. It's Lori and um, the Larsons, Jim Larson. Larson, and they may watch us sometimes, I don't know, but I remember we went to Winston-Salem to join them. They got the news when they were there, and Byron left to go back uh, with, to Morsel with Jim to get some things, and Lori and I were in that hospital room with Derek, and you know what she wanted to do? Worship. Such a worshiper. So we worshiped over Derek that night. That's just what we did. We just worshiped over him. And that boy is alive today and doing well. You know, so we just praise God. I mean, there's just, you know, we, we're going to worship. Listen, church, I've been thinking about that song. Um, this is my prayer in the desert when all that within me seems dry. And it goes on to say, I have a reason to, in every season, I have a reason to worship. I feel like that's our victory. We need to worship through this thing that we're in. We need to worship. I was, last night, was just trying to get my heart in touch with the Lord. And 
I was, I usually listen to preaching or find some worship on YouTube. And it was the craziest thing. It came up on our, my YouTube feed was Jacob and I worshiping here on March, in March of 2020. There was nobody in the room. It was just, I heard Marlon, it was because we were shut down. And I just, I tell you, the presence of the Lord, I was just, I was like, Lord, the presence of the Lord was just coming in because he saw our need and that we needed to worship and we needed that presence and we needed that rest in place. We needed that encounter with him. It's really what we needed. And we were pulling on that thing and he was coming and said, this thing cannot ever get to be where it's a ho-hum thing. We need to know what we're doing here and have a vision for what we're doing here and why we're doing it. It's important. We're going to worship through this thing. Worship. We're going to worship through coronavirus. We're going to worship through our country's mess. We're going to worship through it all because in the end of the day, that's all that matters. He is all that matters. Well, David's heart was to host the presence of the Lord. Now, how do you think we're going to do that? You think we're going to do that just by just sitting in the pew and listening to the worship song, do a few good songs? And do you think we're going to host the presence that way? Yeah. I don't think so. I think we've got... It's not that, it's like I said, it's not that we're trying to get God to do something. We just have, we have a reason to worship. We have reasons to worship. In every season, we have a reason to worship. Look at the book of Psalms. Look at the book of prayer. In every season, David was worshiping his way through. Amen. Okay. I want to move on to Acts 15. Okay. Okay. I'm feeling some some juice up here. Mm. Lord. Acts 15, 16. It says, after this, I will return and rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and restore its ruins, and I will set it up. I will restore it. So I'm going to just say this. I believe the Lord has been restoring the tabernacle of David. I believe there are places all over the earth that he's begun to rest and to settle. And I just want us to be one of them. That's just how I feel. I believe he's been raising it up. I believe in the Jesus movement. He began raising up worship again, authentic, true worship. It wasn't people singing drab hymns and looking dead. Somehow the Holy Ghost got set loose again. People were getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. And the fire of worship began to burn again. And the church began to wake up. 
You know, I, the first time I went in, it was an assembly of God. I walked in as a 16-year-old, and there was real worship going on, and I never looked back. I never turned back. I thought, I want this. This is what I want. I'm going to stay right here in this place. And I never looked back. We ended up at a church called the Lamb's Chapel, and it was powerful. People had guitars all over the room. There was not really a worship team. There were guitars or somebody just leading the songs and choruses. We didn't even have overheads. <laughs> somebody would just start a song, and the worship would just fall out of heaven because there was just a move of God. I believe it was a restoring of the tabernacle of David, of which we have been seeing come through these ages since then. I believe it. I believe there was a DNA that has been imparted to me since that time. And it's in many of you. It's been many of you have been raised by parents that came through the Jesus movement. It's in you. Let it out. Let it out. Oh, some of you not. You just walked in. And you've, you're a worshiper. We're all worshipers. It's in you. It's in the day you said, I do. The worship started in you. I was a cheerleader, y'all. I'm sorry. I can't have that in me. (laughs) Okay, I got kicked off one time or suspended for smoking cigarettes, but... Nine of the ten girls got suspended. <laughs> Lord, forgive us. We got back on. <laughs> yes, thank you, Lord. So I do believe he's restoring the tabernacle of David. And he continues to do so. To, and it's to manifest his presence is to manifest his presence. I, I want to go on and read. I love this. This includes it, Acts fifteen sixteen through 18. It says, After Paul and Barnabas shared with the council, they met with the council in Jerusalem, coming back and reporting to the big guys what was going on at length about the signs and wonders. Say signs and wonders. And miracles God had worked through them while ministering to non-Jewish people. And after these things, they quote this, I will return to you and raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen into ruin. I will restore and rebuild what David experienced. Isn't this great? Listen to this. So that, listen to this. All humanity will be able to encounter the Lord, including the Gentiles, whom I have called to be my very own says the Lord, for I have made known my works from eternity. Isn't that good? So this raising up and restoring the tabernacle of David is not just for us. It has a lot to do with bringing people in. You know, the, the signs and the wonders, because what happens in the glory is we get, we get really anointed in that. We get anointed in worship. The church gets anointed. So, amen. So, this is what I want to get to about our worship here, is this. You know, as on earth as in heaven, and one of the things that 
has been near and dear to my heart with worship is this, is you. Not so much the worship team, okay? Because the worship team can be up here and do what we do. But unless you are the anointed ones out there, okay, we're not going to see what really the manifestation of the presence like we want to see here. It's all of us. We're the congregation. We're in this together. This is, you know, there is nothing to me like when I stop and let y'all sing. When I hear you really singing to the Lord. I feel like it's the heart of God I'm feeling. It's like this incense is going up before him. You know, and it's, you know, it gets messy in here sometimes. We, it does, it gets messy because we're just going after the Lord. We're not trying to be professionals up here. We just want to go after the Lord. Okay, that's really what our heart is. And our heart for mine and Byron is this, and we, we tell all the worship leaders when they ask, oh, what's the vision for whatever life? We say congregational worship. We, we want to do songs that y'all can easily sing, that you can easily get in on, that doesn't take us three weeks to sing that song. You know, you know what I'm saying? We, but I want to go on. There's this thing called, I've always called it glass of sea worship. I think it actually came out of IHOP. Um, And I really feel like we have a heavenly picture of what the worship is like in heaven. Okay? And we're asking for the kingdom of heaven to come and for the will of God to be done. Right? So we see a lot of lyrics in the book of Revelation that are things like holy, holy, holy. Worthy, worthy, worthy. There's none like you. There's none other. We're seeing lyrics that are directed to the Lord in adoration and not to ourselves. It's about Him. These are lyrics toward Him. About how holy He is. And we just want to worship Him. That's what I want to do. I'm just like, let me just worship you know, and I know there's other songs that are songs of decrees that we do, and there's hymns that we do, but I'm like, hey, let's do those, but let's go right back into some worship, vertical, telling him how holy and how wonderful he is and how great he is, that this is just not about me. There's times where God moves into more ministry stuff. I realize that, but that's really not our heart. To just go after that. We do have transition time. Sometimes when we move into those things. But I'm just telling you where we are. Is that we want. Our heart is simply. That he inhabits the praises of his people. He is enthroned upon these praises. And we're seeing the picture of what worship looks like in heaven. And I just want to read this. This is. 
what I believe about the congregation and it's back and forth and back and forth between you and back to the worship team, back to you. It is something happening in the room where it's not just about what's happening here. We've had days, we're going we're gonna to have hard days. And if you're just sitting there waiting for us to worship, right, worship leaders, right? Okay. Yes. It's not, yes. So, so here we have a picture in heaven where you have the 24 elders. Okay. Did I to give you Revelation 4, 1 through 11? Okay. I put it up there. We're just going to read through it because I, I think you need to see it. After these things, I looked and behold, a door. There you go. Standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the spirit. There's another key word. And behold, a throne set in heaven and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones. And on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes. And they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which were the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass, like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures, full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature like a calf. The third living creature had a face like a man. The fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures each had six wings were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest day or night saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, listen up, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before him, saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. So the thing I want to point out is this. When the 24 elders, the, the beast worship and worship, it causes the 24 elders to worship. And this thing goes back and forth in heaven. It's going back and forth. Do you see what I'm saying? When we come together as a congregation, it's back and forth. We go back and forth. And any worship leader can tell you this. We may be sitting there dry as a bone trying to lead worship, trying to facilitate worship. And then we 
feel some fire coming out of out of here. And do you know what? It releases something up here. And it's just, it's just the way it is. It's the way it should be. Listen, y'all, I'm not into rock star worship leaders. I'm just going to be honest with you. I appreciate people being rising up and the Lord using their music. But when our eyes and our focus get on that worship leader, something's gone off. I'm serious. I I think that even about some great preacher. When it gets on some great preacher, we've gone off. We can appreciate anointing. We can appreciate gifting. But when the eyes start getting on anything else except the one that is worthy and holy of our praise, and something that's just not where we want to be. It's not. And so I believe we asked, you were releasing things in the room. The Holy Ghost releases through all of us. And that's my point today is to bring you all in to the worship. Even the worship team operates like this. You know, um, worship used to be really hard, I think, uh, until this great idea came of co-leaders. And I love co-leading. I think it's really probably the healthiest way to lead worship. Because when one falls down, the other can pick the other up. That's just the way it works. We don't always have the anointing on Sunday morning. We don't. I've, I've been leading worship for a long time. And I've had plenty of days flat as pancake. Many. But here's what I've come to is that we need you. And that I want to just say this. I wrote some thoughts down. By the way, that's called antiphonal worship. It's back and forth. And I wrote this, every act of worship releases more worship. This is not just about what the worship team does. We're here, you know what we're here to do? Serve. We're just serving. We're just serving. We're serving the congregation. That's our job. It says, um, but you know, ultimately... The worship leaders are not the leaders. Guess who is? The Holy Spirit. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) It's so good when he shows up, right? You know, and then um, this is one thing about a lot of people have read the scripture that David played skillfully before the Lord. Well, you know what that verse really means? That David knew where to go. He was in tune with the Holy Spirit. He knew where to go. And, um, but I wanted to end with everything that has that 150, Psalm 150. Everything that has breath, praise the Lord. You know what that breath means in that scripture? It's that breath of life that God breathed in man in the beginning that breath of life that every one of us have because he breathed life in us, every breath, everything that has breath, praise the Lord. And um, I wanted you to take note too. I just want to make note of this and I'm going to, is that the musicians are key on this. 
okay? They're key. It says this. Let's put that up. We can do, did I put the whole Psalm 150? I can read it. Huh? Okay. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his great, excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and the harp. Praise him with the timbrel and the dance. We have dancers in this church. Praise him with string instruments and flutes. Praise him with the loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And don't let me get on singing. There's myriads of songs about singing. Let me say this. The angels sing. God sings. We sing. How about that? How about that? And I just wanted to end with um, this one little song that when Byron and I started, I'm not going to sing it. Um, This one little song that when we first came to this church, to take it over. This was the song that's always been in my heart. Mm. That heaven is my home and earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Whom of you will hear the cry of my heart? Where will my resting place be? And then there's an answer. Hear, O oh Lord. Have I prepared for you a home? Long have I desired for you to dwell. Here, O oh Lord, have I prepared a resting place. Here, O oh Lord, I wait for you alone. And that just kind of says it. So, amen. When we stand up. Lord, we just pray. Lord, I pray for a greater worship anointing to fall on this place. Lord, I just pray for each person here that you would awaken in their deepest parts, Lord, their spirit, man. That worship and anointing, Lord. Lord, so that you can have what you deserve, Lord. Let's just worship a minute.
just lift up your name, Jesus. We lift up your name, Jesus. We lift up the name of Jesus. Ho, 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 ho. Yes, ho, woo, ho. Yes, woo, woo, ho, woo. Sing it out. Thank you, Lord. So I just want to say this. That sea of glass worship is the congregation. It's not anything more than that. It's the congregation singing together, worshiping around the throne of God. And that's really what matters is that we're together and that we're corporate. We're together and this verse is, and then I looked and I saw a sea of glass mixed with fire and standing before, beside the sea, those who had been victorious over the beast and his image and over the number of his name. And they were given harps by God and they sang the song of Moses, the servant of God and the song of the lamb. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God almighty, just and true are your ways, king of the ages who will not fear you O Lord and bring glory to your name for you alone are holy all the nations will come and worship before you for your righteous acts have been revealed and I want to say this if there's anything that will solve will solve racism it's worshiping together in unity before the throne of God we're the answer the church is the answer thank you Lord and she has an amazing thought right here. <laughs> so when I was in school, I, I did a paper and um, this is just one of the studies, but according to a study published in the journal Frontier of Neuroscience, when members of a congregation come together and they worship, their heart rates tend to synchronize and they beat as one. But there are studies all over that will tell you that in Sweden and Norway. And I mean, they're doing it everywhere and it's the coolest thing. It's like our heartbeat becomes God's heartbeat. That is so good. Thank you, Lord. I want to pray. If you want a greater level of worship, anointing. Well, we go, there's, there's scripture that talks about the high praises. And I heard, I read where Bob Sorge says that's where we actually encounter heaven. The high praises that are in the Psalms. So, Lord, we're asking you right now. For greater anointing in this place. Worship anointing. We're asking you for it, Lord. Just come. Yes, impartation and anointing coming now. Lord, for the high praises of God. Lord, so that the two-edged sword will be in our mouths, Lord God. We know the singers went to battle first, Lord. 
And so we are asking you for that anointing to come for the high praises of God to be in our mouth. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay, go get your kids. (laughs) 